listen not to fix i think some there's different types of listening that we do and so listening to understand where the other person is coming from um, is a really important probably the most important ingredient when it comes to having conversations hi we are colleen and colleen and we have made it our mission to spread kindness and make everyone feel like they belong so each week we will share real life stories motivating insights and helpful tips that will inspire you to live a kinder, happier life. We believe that together we can make the world a much better place. Are you in? I'm in. Let's do this. Welcome to the You Fit Here podcast. Hi guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of You Fit Here. If you are new to listening, I'm Colleen, I go by CB, and we have another Colleen, CS, who is sadly not with us today. We like to switch it up and do solo interviews and together and, you know, everything we can think of. But if you've been with us for a while, you know that our mission of our brand, Every Kind, is to spread kindness through messages on our clothing. We started this so we could spark conversations, and those conversations turned into this podcast, which is, I mean, the best part of our company right now. We just love learning from people, and what we've really learned right now is sometimes conversations are really awkward and difficult and hard to have. So we thought it would be a great idea to bring in an expert to help all of us approach these conversations with ease. So welcome, Dr. Natalie Dottillo. Hi, Colleen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am so excited to give our audience the correct toolkit to have these conversations in their life. Good. I hope I, I can um, I can help you out with that. <laughs> Absolutely. So Natalie is an integrative health psychologist who specializes in mindset, motivation, and self-care. I have to brag on her. She started to studied at Harvard and now works at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. So I know that's just like my mini little intro for you, but you can do a much better job at describing everything you do. So tell us all about you. Okay, well, I will tell you a little bit about me. Um, I've actually, I spent 11 years um, in Indiana at IU School of Medicine in the Department of Psychiatry there, did my training there, and then we moved to Boston about two years ago. And so I work out there now at Brigham and Women's Hospital. I'm the Director of Psychology um, in the Department of Psychiatry out there. And I also run a physician um, mental health program as well um, for the doctors and doctors in training out there as well. So um, part of my job is to have to have conversations all day. Um, and not all of them are difficult, but certainly some of them are difficult. So, and especially now, I feel like we've been having a lot of very difficult conversations about very difficult topics, um, kind of running the gamut. Yeah, I can only imagine. Before we dig into that, what made you interested in studying all of this? Was there something in your life that said, yes, this is calling me? In studying psychology, class yeah. psychology. Um, actually, I kind of always knew that I wanted to be a psychologist. I remember even just as a kid, I was just really curious about people and like why they did what they did. Yeah. And so just kind of studied that early on. I went to grad school at University of Michigan and I got to work with some really amazing people there. Um, and just kind of always knew that, um, that that was my passion and my calling. I love that. Uh, Colleen and I, we say we found this calling almost six years ago with our company, but like, I never thought, oh, I'm going to have a t-shirt company and a podcast in my life, <laughs> but it's more just about people and connecting. And I, I'm, when you know, you just know. So thank goodness you knew. Um, why do you believe that a person's mindset and self-care and all mm -hmm. of this work with mental health is just so important right now? Honestly, I think mindset is everything. And I guess it kind of depends on how you define mindset. And for me, it's the um, it's the attitude and the intention with which you bring um, to almost anything you do. Yeah. And and I I see mindset and self-care going together because I think self-care, uh, I think mindset is a critical part of self-care. I think mindset is um, where you put your focus, where you put your attention, where you put your energy, um, what you bring to the experience. And I think it's all encompassing. And I think self-care is such a critical part of health, mental health, physical health. Um, and I think it's a, a skill. I think it's a demonstration of self-love. I think, but I, I also think it's something that if we don't um, dedicate 
um, time to, to doing, it just falls off the radar. And I can speak firsthand, like coping with anything doesn't happen without self-care. So like self-care is kind of the foundation from which we build our ability to cope with difficult things that happen in our life. And it cannot be an option. That is so true. I was about to dive into having difficult conversations with other people, but this is kind of triggering something in my head. How do we start with having conversations with ourselves? Yeah, that's a good point. Sometimes we do have to have difficult conversations with ourselves and really come to terms with like, you know, what's what's going on with me and why am I not able to either, you know, commit to this? Why do I, you know, why can't I um, commit to myself? What's what's holding me back from um, living my best life? What's keeping me from doing the things that I know that I would love to do? And oftentimes it comes down to just fear. You know, it's really confronting. What is it that you're afraid of? Um, You know, are you afraid that it won't work? Are you afraid that you'll have to give up something that you love in order to do this other thing that you might actually love more? And I think we view so much of the decisions that we make through the lens of um, fear and and um, and change, um, because because for a lot of people, change represents a loss. And we're sometimes it's better to stick with the things that we know um, than the things that we don't. But those are hard conversations to have and and, and I think, um, but important ones. Do you feel like, I'm, I'm totally going off my list of questions that I have for you at the moment, but I'm so intrigued. Do you think that before we even dive into having conversations with anyone, a spouse, mm-hmm. a family member, a friend, do you think we should practice some self-awareness to say, mm-hmm you know, this is how I tend to react to things. This is my normal, you know, how can we kind of prime ourselves before we go into something uncomfortable? Honestly, I think that's probably a really important step in having difficult conversations is sitting with yourself and making sure that you're clear mm-hmm. in in kind of what's going on for you, making sure that you've done a self-check. Why is this why is this important to me? Um, one of the things that I work on with folks is identifying and clarifying values. So what is it that's important here? What is it that seems to be at stake? What's mm-hmm. at risk? Um, and and what's it worth? And sometimes it's just taking the time to sit, maybe meditate or think to yourself about what is it that's going on for me, maybe even do a little bit of writing to better understand before I enter into a difficult conversation with somebody else, make sure I'm clear on what's important to me and why. I love that. Step one, like find the clarity. Why is it important? What value do I have in this conversation or what values do I hold for myself that make me want to have this conversation right now? Exactly. Yeah. And what do I hope to get out of it? Like what's, yeah. what, what, what's the goal? What am I hoping will um, happen? What am I hoping we will accomplish by addressing this difficult conversation? And it might honestly just be, I just want to learn more. Yeah. I, I, I'm recognizing and I've done some self-assessment and I realize that I don't know enough about this thing to really understand it or have a strong opinion about it. And so I want to approach you um, just through that, you know, for the sake of learning. That's so good. And going into it, wanting mm-hmm. to learn and understand and not just to loud speaker my opinion to yeah no I, I mean I think telling that's a really good point is like before you enter into a difficult conversation have you done a little bit of self questioning um like what's important to me about this and can I go into it with an open mind like how yeah. open-minded am I about this or am I just trying to like I don't know prove a point or yes. you know, prove what I know or something Especially in today's climate and social media, I feel so often I see posts and reposts of things and I'm like, are you really just trying to prove a point here? Like, do you really care or are you just, you know, trying to rile people up? No, I think we get locked into our way of thinking and it's harder to change our way of thinking, um, especially when we feel really like strongly about it. Yeah. And I think that's what we're bumping up against is just really strong deep, strong ideas, strong opinions, deeply held beliefs that are being challenged and tested. And that can be really threatening, you know, Um, especially when it's with people that we love. Um, Totally. Those are some of the hardest conversations I think we have. Yeah. Oh oh my gosh. Okay. So now I'm going to get back to my, you know, 
on trend of where I was going to head with this, which we're just diving right in because I love it so much. Um, but yes, these conversations that we're all talking about right now, have the hard conversation, have the difficult conversation, but we don't feel equipped. We feel like we're I don't want to do that. I might damage this relationship or Mm -hmm. this is going to make me feel completely awkward. So it could literally be all of us went out to dinner and I paid for the bill, but I want people to pay me back. Like something as simple as that to, I have to talk about racism with my family to I'm having a baby during COVID and like, no, you're not allowed to come see your grandchild. You know, all these things that seem like these life altering ending conversations and so often I feel like we see the message, the message is here, but it gets so lost in translation. Mm-hmm. It gets so lost in like the emotions behind it or the passion behind it. So how do we even like, I guess step one would be what we already talked about, a little self-assessment getting clear on this stuff. But how do we even start? Mm-hmm. How do we bring up the conversations? What steps should we take just like mm-hmm. to, to get it well, going smoothly? <laughs> I mean, you gave a lot of examples there, and I'm a little overwhelmed. So sorry. I'm so sorry. Difficult, no, no, no. Difficult conversations are not new, but yes. it just feels like the intensity of these conversations and and the seriousness of them um, has never been, you know, higher or yeah. greater. And I and it and so I think that's part of the problem is that recognizing that, okay break it down into like smaller, more bite-sized, like manageable chunks. Okay. And if you're not in a place to have the conversation, just, just, it's okay to probably wait. And I think that's the other thing. It's okay to circle back to a conversation. Like if you've missed, if it feels like you've missed an opportunity to have an important conversation. Mm -hmm. And so in that moment, this happens all the time in that moment, you're like, you know, after thinking like, Oh, I wish I had said this and I wish I had said that. And Fortunately, it's actually not too late, and it's just the way that you reapproach it and re-enter into the conversation and do that at a in a time and a place where you feel comfortable doing. And it could be something as simple as like, you know, I had some time to think about our conversation, or I had some time to think about what happened, and I was wondering if we could talk about it again because there are a few things that I either want to get off my chest or I didn't get a chance to say. Mm-hmm. And would you be open to that? Yeah. That's a great, great suggestion. I listened to a podcast actually earlier this morning on a drive, and it said, we have to stop thinking that just because something is uncomfortable or hard makes it bad. So a workout is hard and uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it's bad for us. It can be a really amazing thing. So can we switch our mindset from this uncomfortable thing means it's a bad thing and we shouldn't do it and we should avoid it at all costs? Absolutely. Uncomfortable things are usually very good things. I think some of the the hardest things that we do produce the most meaningful change. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you is one of my favorite phrases from my my workout studio. So I really sort of in my mind, I hold on to that because I, especially when we're being challenged and that's really where we grow. I mean, that's really that growth zone. Um, And so always leaning into experiences that either you anticipate to be difficult or know that they're going to be difficult, but do it anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we always say like, I want to have a conversation or a conversation. And my intent is not to hurt anyone's feelings. Like my intent Mm -hmm. is not to make someone else uncomfortable. But so often you hear like the, well, we just agree to disagree or whatever. And Mm -hmm. it's like like waving the white surrender flag. Like, let's just kill this conversation or not beat a dead horse or whatever. And you get kind of shut down Mm -hmm. and then you don't kind of have the courage to go back to it or really dig in deeper. So for someone who is shies away from it, you know, what tips can they have to don't just burrow back into a hole? Like Mm -hmm. how can you get that confidence to really discuss what you want to discuss without feeling like you're just like, beaten down and pushed aside. Yeah, especially when it seems like the conversation was sort of ended sort of prematurely and there was more yeah. to say and maybe you were just kind of thrown off by the whole intensity of it and and really needed to just kind of recoil a little bit and you just need a little bit of time and space to process what happened. The best thing that I would do is to is to actually write down 
what you would say if you were having a face-to-face conversation with that person. And it might, just so you can kind of gain some clarity around what is it that I want to say? What is it that I want to make sure that I communicate? Because sometimes when our emotions are heightened, like our ability to communicate effectively kind of goes out the window, (laughs) you know? And so if you spend some time either just kind of crafting what you would say in that time and space where you're by yourself and it's quiet and you can really think through the conversation beforehand I don't recommend bringing the paper with you, but you at least have thought through it beforehand and will have a better sense of what you want to make sure you say. That's such a great tip. And then when you go into a conversation, have you ever had it where it's like you already sense the, I don't want to say anger or attitude of someone's reaction. It's like, I'm going into this and I already know what it's going to be without giving them the benefit of the doubt. So just like an off example would be like a spouse, maybe can I go out, whatever with my friends. And you instantly think the other spouse is going to be like annoyed or upset with you, but really they don't even care, but it's like you pre plot the reaction. Mm-hmm. And then it's almost like you get what you pre meditate. Right. It's like, it's true. It's true. It's almost like you, you know, it's your perception and your perception is reality. And so in your mind, you anticipate that they're going to react in this way and you go into it sort of with that mindset, with that frame. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) How do we go into it without predetermining our outcome? (laughs) So go into it being curious. Like, I wonder what's going to happen here. And you might even notice in the past, I would have expected X, Y, and Z, Mm -hmm. but let's just see. It's almost like you go in and you test your theory as opposed to trying to prove it. Prove yourself. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's so true. It's like, well, I know this person is this way. So this Mm -hmm. is just what's going to happen. And then it's, well, hello, that's what happened. Well, we like to be able to predict our lives. We like to be able to predict outcomes. I mean, that's a big part of what we've been trying to deal with here lately as a society and as a collective is like being able to predict our lives and being able to move freely and do things. And right now, there's a lot of unknown and there's a lot of things up in the air. And I think a lot of people are feeling very uncomfortable with that. But when it comes to like being able to predict outcomes, especially as it relates to having a difficult conversation with your spouse or your partner, partner. We do that to protect ourselves. We do that so that we don't, we aren't surprised, that we aren't caught off guard. And on on one hand, that's that's okay. But on the other hand, it does exactly what we just talked about, which is sort of creates that experience based on um, what you predicted would happen, sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. Yes. All the time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then, so are there any tips if the conversation gets to that point and, you know, it's happening just how I thought it would happen. <laughs> is there something we can do in the moment mm-hmm. to turn it around? Or is it something, you know, everyone has their different things. Don't go to bed angry or mm-hmm. remove yourself, like give yourself time to breathe and think like, mm-hmm. what have you found to be the most mm-hmm. successful tip in the midst of when things start to get heated or spiraling yeah. out of control? I think calling it out, if you have the ability to do that, is one of the things that you can do, which is something like, in a very sort of non-threatening way, which is, I can tell that this is upsetting you, or I can tell that you're reacting to what you're saying, or you or you might even put it back on you and say, I can tell I'm reacting to what's happening here. I can tell that I'm getting um, upset because it looks like you're getting upset. And so instead of trying to continue the conversation without acknowledging that, just acknowledge that. Because what happens is you end up talking around that issue. Yes. Yes. And the and when that may not even be the issue. Mm-hmm. That's so spot on. I feel like sometimes I'll be in a conversation and I'm like, we are playing this like she said, he said, pinpointing all the details of what happened mm-hmm. instead of just mm-hmm. talking about the main meat of what we need to talk about. And this happens quite a bit. And then it's called deflection. It's kind of like we're having a conversation about this one thing. And then all of a sudden we're having a conversation about this other thing that's only tangentially related, but, but now is, is occupying 
so much of that conversation and what yeah. we call the affect of that conversation, which is the intensity and the emotion, when that's not even relevant, it wasn't even the point, but now we have to, now we have to deal with this, or now we have to argue about this. And yes. so what it requires is being really conscious, just being really sort of aware and self-aware and being able to engage in a conversation while kind of also monitoring the situation, the, the conversation and being like, wait a second, time out. I feel like we've gone way off track. And although this is probably important for us to talk about, it's not, it, it wasn't what I was hoping we were going to talk about right now. Yes. It's so true. It's like, have the referee in your head to be like, yes. we're not even getting to the point. We're just circling about all these other details, but missing. And now I have to unpack seven loads of baggage. because. Well, and it's like that other thing is probably important too, but it's not important right now. So it's yes. kind of like when we put a pin in that conversation and come back to that later. Yes. While we finish this first conversation. That's so true. And I feel like a lot of times I'm someone who, when I get super overwhelmed, I'm like a shutdown person. It's like, mm -hmm. shut off, shut down. I'm going to internalize, which I'm definitely working on. But then, you know, when you open up a conversation, then mm -hmm. it's like I spew out months worth of stuff because I didn't just communicate it as the time was going on. I just like held it all up. It was like, You're like, remember this one time? And then there was this other time. And totally. you're like, Where have you been keeping track? And then seven years ago, eight months and four days, you said this. <laughs> Yeah. Like, right. I really need to prove this point. And I think that's yeah. another dilemma that we get into is that we are more concerned with being right. Yeah. And uh, because and, and I think we can get really we like dig our heels in. And again, that's another way of sort of talking about what we're not talking about, because all of a sudden I need to sort of prove my point and be right, mm -hmm. as opposed to coming to some sort of like agreement or understanding. Yes. And so that's where we like, well, I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree, which, by the way, I think under the circumstances may not be a terrible way to just put a pause on a conversation that doesn't seem to be productive. Like at okay. some point, this conversation is not going anywhere mm -hmm. productive. It's not yeah. constructive. It's not helpful. And I think at the end of this, we're both going to end up feeling quite a bit worse, mm -hmm. which I think is is that's kind of like the ultimate outcome to be avoided. Difficult conversations are difficult, but at the end, you, you should come out of that feeling better. Yeah. At least like we, okay, we had this difficult conversation. We may not even have even come to a solution or a plan, but at least we had it. Mm -hmm. And we were civil with one another about it and we can figure out what to do next. It's like the relationship remains intact. Yeah. And that's probably the most important part of the conversation um, and if it's breaking down and because we, we certainly want wouldn't want to get to a place where that was like irreparable just at that point it's probably okay to say can we just maybe agree to talk about this another time um, yeah I feel myself getting really really upset and I don't think that's going to be I really like that what's the goal of this conversation and almost like going into it with that so Sometimes I'm going to put my whole relationship on blast and how I process things. <laughs> I'll go into it with my husband and all of a sudden we feel like we're opposing teams and we literally pause and I'm like, hold on, we're on the same team. Like we picked each other out of all the people in life to be teammates. So why are we acting like we are enemies right now? Like our goal is the same goal. And then we're like, okay, take a breath. You're right. How can we do this together? And then it's like, all armor's off and we're fine. I mean, I meet with couples all the time who literally argue the same thing. Like they're both arguing the same thing, but they're, <laughs> but it's like, they, but they almost, they don't hear it. And I'm like, I really think you guys are just saying the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a little differently. And honestly, when that happens in couples, when communication starts to break down in couples, it's usually because one or both is not feeling hurt or understood. Yeah. And so they either get louder or they get more aggressive or they get more emotional, not because they're trying to escalate the dis like the distress, but really just be heard um, yeah. or be understood. And um, but the tactics are just not um, helpful. Right. And how do you and hopefully this isn't your relationship, your spouse, but say you have someone in your life who's just it seems like they're unable to listen. They're unable to ever let you 
kind of speak and you feel defeated every time you try. Is there a certain point where you, you know, I'm cutting my losses because I can't get through to this person over and over and over again, where it's such a burden in your life? Or do you keep hoping this person is going to, you know, start hearing you start, Mm -hmm. you know, using these tools to have these conversations? Probably depends on the relationship. Right. Yeah. Right. And I suppose there are some types of relationships in which you might just have to cut your losses in which, because the communication has become toxic and it's just not ever going to get on the same page about this. Um, But for the most part, um, you know, communication in relationships is fixable. Yeah. But but it might require you know, like a third person, like a yeah. rep to come in and be like, okay, here's what I hear you saying, and here's what I hear you saying. And it's almost like you need a an, a translator or interpreter sometimes. And I, I think it's probably worth having. It doesn't have to be like a therapist necessarily, but just someone else that can sort of help help me understand what I'm not understanding. Yes, it's so true. And you know, I don't think anymore, but growing up, you would hear like, they're going to couples therapy. Like it was this horrible thing or like, she's seen a therapist. Why in the world would you not want to use all the tools you can possibly use to have the best self relationship with yourself, relationship with your spouse, relationship with your family that you can? Right. All the tools available, you know, just sort of like just coaching through that. It doesn't have to be something that's necessarily problematic, but like, why not be better at something if you have the resource available? And even if you're feeling great, Mm -hmm. great, I'm going to go talk to my therapist. Like I'm in a great place, but that is something that helps maintain, you know, Mm -hmm. how great I feel and how, and I think everyone changing their kind of mindset on the stigma of like going to therapy. And I do think it's changing drastically right now. I do too. I do too. I'm a, um, it's, it's, this is kind of a, a big deal for me. I, I, I think going to see a mental health professional is just as regular as any other person that you would go to see for any other problem or potential problem. Uh, I'm hoping that eventually we get to the place where we just have regular checkups yeah. for mental health where you're feeling great, but you know what, you know, go in and have a conversation with somebody who's going to ask you some questions about how things are going and can um, either, you know, point out areas where yeah, you might run into some trouble here. So here's some, some tips and pointers, but also catch problems much, much sooner. Um, they're much easier to treat when they're caught much, much sooner than later. Like any problem, you know? <laughs> yes. It's like when you just have a friend that you can say anything to, they're not going to cast judgments on other people in your life. They're just like, a sounding board and a, Hey, well, you mentioned this, maybe try that. You know, mm-hmm. it's having someone to just talk to without any judgment and any, you know, and take that pressure off of trying to interpret mm-hmm. what feels like a different language sometimes. <laughs> exactly. And then we put too much pressure on our partners and our spouses and our friends to do that for, to do that job. Yes. That's not their job. <laughs> you know, that is so true. That is so true. And so we sometimes get so hard on ourselves for these conversations and Mm -hmm. therefore we avoid them or like me, I'll shut down. How can we stop building up so much pressure? Like, Mm -hmm. is it better to just have all the small conversations Mm -hmm. along the way or, you know, really think about this one big and put so much pressure on this, like we should talk later like you never want to hear that text or read that like almost the like build up of the conversation that makes people put on their armor right away I think it's like we mentioned before it's like exercise it's like the more you do it the better you get at it and um you know the easier those conversations are to have if you're having them on a regular basis and then you avoid that build up after you know days or weeks or months even where like we really need to talk and i think even when you do have those conversations where you like we really need to have talk like a conversation with a capital c mm-hmm. if you've had regular conversations with this person then that's not going to be awkward uncomfortable or something to be avoided um because we all we avoid things that we you know, don't like or anticipate are going to be difficult. So it's like, how do I know I'm 
um, you know, considering a difficult conversation, it's like, well, how long have you avoided having it? That's so true. That's so true. I love the constant, I'm guilty of this, where I won't check in or I like let it go for an X amount of time. And then I just expect things to like pick up and be where they were. And it's like, you can't expect that. You have to put the work into opening up every day and checking in on people and not just wait for like the weekend when you're done working or something. It's like self-care. It's like you yeah. make the commitment and you make the investment to do something important every day. Um, yeah. And I think conversations is probably one of those things that gets neglected, um, you know, like other forms of self-care, I suppose, um, because we have a lot going on and we're super busy and it takes a lot of energy, emotional energy and physical energy. But I do think it's probably one of the most important parts um, yeah. of a relationship is to make time. Yes. Every day. Every day. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> what do you say to, so I'm a crier, big time. Like when my husband and I actually have a dinner date out, I instantly like cry and I'm not even, we're not even fighting at all. It's like, yeah. I'll look up a picture of like our son when he was a baby and then I'm crying and he's like, every time we're at dinner, it's like you just like the floodgates open and then everyone at the restaurant thinks like I'm a jerk <laughs> because I made you cry, but we're like having a great time. You just cry. And so when people are super emotional or, you know, in that sense, do you keep going forward? Like if you're having a tough conversation with a friend or a sibling or whatever, do you keep pushing through that to like, it's almost like this breakthrough. Sometimes when you cry, you feel so much better and you're like, oh my gosh, I finally broke down the walls and yeah. now let's, but then you need I, to sleep for a week because you're exhausted. <laughs> I can tell you what I do when I'm working with people in a therapeutic context. Uh -huh. right? So crying happens a lot. It happens, especially when we're talking about difficult things. And it depends. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do believe that crying is fantastic release. And if you are a crier, that's, a, that's, a, that's great. It's a great way to regulate emotion. It's a great way to sort of express emotion. And I'm also an easy crier. I actually love crying, but like yeah. people are also like, what's going on? <laughs> And it can be very confusing for people. And I'm not like, crying. <laughs> anyway, that's for another time. But I will, I think it's not as helpful to push through okay. to let that person kind of experience what they're experiencing. We suppress so much of that ourselves. Yeah. And I think that if we allow ourselves to just have the emotional expression or the emotional release that usually comes through crying, you always feel better. Yeah. And so I think if the other person can tolerate whatever discomfort or distress they might be experiencing because of that, yeah. that's kind of on them to sort of be like, okay, let's, you know, and not worry so much about what other people might be thinking and, um, and sort of sit with the person while that's happening. Yeah. And then continue or ask, check, how are you, you know, how are you doing? Is everything mm -hmm. okay? And if there's more conversation to be had, then you have it. There are times when the crying is used as an avoidance. So yeah. the crying comes up because because it, it often will stop the conversation. Mm -hmm. Though, and so you kind of have to walk um, a line there and kind of find the balance between letting a person have some sort of emotional, you know, expression, um, but not finishing, but not terminating the conversation too soon. That's so true. That's so true. CS. I'm not letting you off the hook. There's yeah. more to talk about. <laughs> yeah. CS will, she's stated on the podcast that she is going to dig in and learn more about finances because in interest of her husband. And she's like, oh, I would just start crying in the past and be like, end of conversation. We're done. <laughs> We're done. Say anything about budgeting and I'm going to start crying. Yep. Sorry, CS, for when you listen to this, but we've gotten so much better at that. <laughs> um, but, okay, so I feel like we've touched on a lot of tips and tricks for when you really love the person. Like, these are people we want to have a really good, strong relationship with. And now enter social media, where we have all these acquaintances who, sure, we're friends, but you know, I haven't seen you in five years, but let's start a debate on a Facebook post or something. And it's just seems so 
toxic. So I need to be right. Just arguing. And I had to delete Facebook off my phone for a period of time because just reading it just brings so much, you know, anxiety to my life and just watching people ruin their friendships because they just don't, I don't think they care that much because they're not that close with them. Yeah. Yeah. It could be like a level of investment in the relationship and like these social media friendships or Facebook friendships in which there isn't actual like face time with that person. I, I, I just feel like the level of investment or our willingness to invest in nurturing that kind of relationship is it just, it, um, it's much less. Yeah. And it would be, and I honestly have seen some of the most um, sort of upsetting exchanges. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I, I, you know, I don't really go on there for that reason. There's nothing um, sort of uplifting about that. Yeah. I think we need as much of that as we can get these days. Yeah. On the podcast I referenced earlier, I'll link it, but um, they also discussed, you know, like, preaching your message to disinterested hearts, like, or disinterested Mm -hmm. minds, they're not really hearing you because they're not in a relationship with you Mm -hmm. where they want to actually invest in your well-being and invest in your growth or whatnot and, like, changing their perspective. Do you feel like we should all just put a censor on ourselves? Like, unless you're really wanting to have the conversation Mm -hmm. and really listen and listen to other people before you try to be understood, like understand, should we just don't do it? Like don't repost it just for sake of riling people up because that's what people do. (laughs) That's how they're going to react. Yeah. I I think sometimes there's, there is this attempt to just get a reaction out of people as though that's some sort of real exchange or engagement. And I think if you're looking to have a real conversation or a real coming to understand how another person is experiencing the world, then that's not going to happen on Facebook or social media. It's, yeah. it's just not, it's such a, it's, it's not, it's, there's so much more yeah. to the conversation than what's being posted and there's so much that is open to misinterpretation. Yes. And you can end up getting into an argument with somebody that, A, you've never met. Like, you don't really probably care as much about the, the conversation as now you're being dragged into. And you're like, I, you know, I just, like, I didn't really, uh, you know, and it's, it's, I don't know if people just feel like they can be more honest behind a keyboard and, and, and engage differently than they would if they were face to face with another person. So I don't fully understand it. Although I, I do think the experience of it can be more negative than positive. Do you feel like if you're maybe getting dragged into that, whether it's you posted something and your intention Um, was just totally taken the wrong way, or someone's just like nitpicking you to death, you know, do you feel in those instances, say they're just followers, you don't know them. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of social media accounts where they'll just like block, delete, remove, or is it worth it to try and, you know, change the hearts of these strangers? Mm-hmm. You know, what level of your own suffering? <laughs> no, I don't think it's, I don't, the, it's a really good question. And I don't think it's a whole lot different than what we were talking about before, which is like the self-assessment and the self-awareness and sort of understanding in a very mindful in, and, and intentional or conscious way. It's like, I'm going to post this and be, and be very um, sort of intentional about it. It's because it's an important thing that I want to have out there. Right. And if it, and I do think we need to be careful. I think before I post anything out there, I do try to consider how it will be interpreted or potentially misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. And if it has the potential to be misinterpreted, then it's probably not worth posting, right? Uh, unless you're trying to go down that path with people. That doesn't mean that sometimes it doesn't get misinterpreted. It doesn't you know, activate somebody and somebody wants to make a comment. But I also think if you were mindful and and intentional in what you posted, then you probably shouldn't have any problem defending it with some level of authenticity as well, right? And people will probably, I I, I think you don't want to be, 
you just want to be clear in what's important to you and have a good understanding of what your values are. And if you're going to put them out there and have them be representative of you, then when you get feedback on that, can you continue to defend it? Can you yes. say, this is a really important thing and I wanted to make sure that I shared it with people that I'm in contact with. That's so true. I feel like with everything going on in our world, we've reposted a lot of stuff that is educational mm-hmm. where it's like a learning thing and it's not an aggressive critique mm-hmm. of any different group of people. And I feel like when people post that stuff, even though it might be how you feel <laughs> deep down, you're just asking for people to either get defensive right. or react poorly. And I just wish everyone could really just like say what they want to say in their post without it being this blanket thing to go down this rabbit hole of anger that we see. I agree. And the question you'd want to ask yourself is what's my motive here? Yeah. What am I trying to accomplish? What's the goal of putting this out here? Is it designed to help people feel better, have more information? Um, is it designed to start an argument? Is, is, is it intended to get people thinking? But like, that's on you. Like that's having a really good understanding of what kind of content you're putting out there. It's representative of you. And what are you hoping to accomplish with it? And I think the more that we, you know, the more thought give to the stuff that we put out there, um, I think the more productive, perhaps intelligent conversations we could have about it. That's so true. It's so true. I mean, you know, and as a as your profession and as our business, we think and overthink and overthink and mm-hmm. overanalyze everything we put out there because we want people to interpret it how we hope. Right. Right. Presenting it, but you know, we really have like layer upon layer of surveillance on everything we do and then it's like the personal accounts sometimes you just feel like it's a free-for-all and I'm like I wish everyone kind of thought of this as like there's a screening before you actually post it like we have personal brands I mean you may not have um you know a company or content that you're trying to to curate but like we all you know if you're putting yourself out there we all have a personal brand and what is that what do you stand for you as a person, what do you want to put out there? What do you want to be known for? What do you want other people to, you know, think about when they think about you, you know, and it's not, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit about impression management and image, but more, so, I, I guess I'm trying to say that in a more authentic way. Like, who are you? What do you stand for? What's important to you? And, and don't be afraid to put that out there. Um, yeah. And, and that, be here. That is so good. That is so good. You are portraying to other people who you are and your values and mm-hmm. how they're going to remember you as and think of that before you mm-hmm. start posting everything you see. <laughs> um, real quick, we're mostly talking about um, questions in reference with another adult. Mm-hmm. As parents, and I know we have followers mm-hmm. with all different age children, mm-hmm. but any quick tips for having some of these conversations, whether they're you know, tough about trust or alcohol, drugs, I don't know, people you hang out with for the teens Mm -hmm. or just, you know, some of these conversations about racism or whatever with the little ones. Mm -hmm. How do we kind of go into these conversations Mm -hmm. with our ultimate goal and outcome to be raising these good humans? Yeah, this is a good one. This is a good question. And I think this does apply across all ages, although, you know, you know, developmentally appropriate conversations, um, and they get increasingly more difficult when they get into adolescence. But I think listening to understand is always going to be the cornerstone of, you know, of, of, of having an open and honest conversation with anybody, but especially our children. So we may have ideas, we, we may have, you know, like um, things we want them to, to know. But I think as long as they trust us, to be, to, to hear them, to understand, to ask questions as opposed to always telling, telling, telling. But like, what did you think about this? I'd love to hear your point of view. You know, I'd love to hear what that was like for you or when you saw that thing, or when you heard that thing, when that thing happened with your friend, what was that like for you? You know, and, and these, kind, you know, this, this starts 
um, much sooner. I mean, this is this sort of exercise approach to having conversations, which is you want to have regular conversations with your kiddos as well mm-hmm. every day. Like, how's it going? Is there, you know, what's what's going on in your life? I'm really interested about, in you and your life. And once that trust, I think, has been established, it's it is easier to have some of the more difficult conversations. Yes. That's so true, especially when you said that tell, tell, tell. Mm-hmm. We feel like we need to tell our kids all this information and teach them all these things and show them everything mm-hmm. instead of just listening to them and trusting their feelings and their emotions and their perspectives on things. Right. We're the parents. We're supposed to know things. We're supposed to know everything, I suppose. But honestly, just as a human person, like I really don't. And I certainly don't know what their experience is like day to day. They're a different person than me. And they're like these little people and they have their own ideas and, and, and they come to their own conclusions. And I think just having some curiosity about that just opens up um, the opportunity for conversations. And I think the most important piece is just trying to listen, not to fix. I think some, there's different types of listening that we do. And so listening to understand where the other person is coming from um, is a really important, probably the most important ingredient when it comes to having conversations. That's so good. Oh, all of this. I am just going to listen to it over and over again. Um, (laughs) So we did ask our followers to send us their questions and we kind of compiled three questions that um, seem to be the most popular, most common-ish in their responses. So one was, I'm on a journey to grow and better myself right now, but it seems like the people closest to me don't understand. It makes me feel like they will never look at themselves with an open mind to change and I don't want to stop just to fit in with what they're comfortable with. So how does this person keep growing and go on this journey when they feel like they're kind of leaving behind what they were used to in the past? Ooh, that's a tough one. But you know, you can't you can't shortchange your own growth and your journey um, because of the impact it may or may not have on other people. And if these are other people in our life that truly love and support us in unconditional ways, then they're going to want for us to experience growth and opportunity and, and love and, and, and sort of experience our journey to the fullest extent. Um, I think sometimes people can feel, whether they realize it or not, they can kind of feel threatened because they're not having that kind of experience and maybe they're um, wanting that kind of experience. And so or they maybe feel like they're getting left behind and that can be difficult, but that's also part of their journey. And so it's just recognizing that we're all here to do different things and learn different things along the way. Um, and that we don't want to, you know, um, shortchange ourselves, but also we don't want to um, you know, shortchange anybody else's experience either. And yeah. Do you think it's almost worth it to almost have that mini conversation and say, this is what I'm doing. Like, I feel like this is something I'm drawn to. And, you know, I would just love your support. Or if you're ever interested, you know, kind of have that so it's not just a silent growth. I mean, I think the conversation itself is an opportunity to for growth. It's sort of like, yeah. here's what's going on with me. And I, you know, and here's what I'm being drawn to do, or I'm feeling really called to pursue this passion. And um, I'd love for you to support me in it. But I understand if that's not the case, I just, it's something that I just need to do. That's okay. so good. So good. Okay. Our next one was, I am actively educating myself on racism in our country and have been appalled at what I have learned. It seems that most of my family is taking things out of contest context and reposting ridiculous things on Facebook, which we did talk about. Um, How do I try to get them to wake up and hear it as it is instead of how they want to interpret it? Oh, I know. This one's hard too. I don't know if it's our responsibility to wake anybody else up. I mean, I think everybody comes to the information when they're ready to hear it, when they've either actively sought it out or they've come to a place where they're willing to hear um, or maybe understand things a little bit differently. But I think the more we try to kind of force that information and sort of enlighten other people or it's going to probably just drive a wedge even further. And so educate yourself, understand for yourself, have the time and space 
to kind of react and integrate and understand and then do something with that. But I don't know if doing something with that requires you to change other people's minds. It's, it's yeah. That's so true. It's kind of like when they start seeing the differences you're making, whether that's yeah. like the previous question on a growth yep. journey or wellness or anything. Yep. And then they see you and they're like, now you've piqued my curiosity. I want to know more. Yep. Our behavior tells a better story, you know, and our actions speak very loudly. And so if we're on a path like self-improvement or self-empowerment, we want to make a change in the world, then just do it. And let others see that. Let others learn by your example rather than what you are trying to tell them or say. Oh, I love that. I love it. Okay, last one. Every time I'm frustrated with my spouse, I feel that he turns it around on me to be mad at me or make it my fault. Then I just wave the white flag and give up. How can I get my message across? Okay, so that's a good one. And we did talk a little bit yeah. about it. It's a form of deflection. It's sort of making the conversation about something other than the thing that it's about. Yeah. And I think if you are aware that that's happening and you have this ability to monitor the conversation and see when it begins to change course like that, that's when you stop it and say, okay, it, you just brought up something that's kind of unrelated to the original conversation. Can we go back to the original conversation and talk about that later? Mm -hmm. um, and it's usually, and when I see this, in it usually stems from the other person's difficulty with knowing what to do. Mm -hmm. Knowing how to fix it, yeah. <laughs> knowing how to deal with the emotion that's happening in this conversation. And so they get kind of defensive or they go on the attack and, it's, and it, it ends up, you know, the conversation just ends up in a ditch. Yeah. And so sometimes it requires one person that has the awareness to see what's happening when it's happening and say time out. I want to make sure that we finish this conversation first. I'm not sure why this is getting brought up, but it doesn't seem to be um, helpful here. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Natalie, all of this is like, are everyone's going to listen to this and be like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm ready to do all the talking to myself. Let's and have conversations. <laughs> Let's have conversations. <laughs> this has been so amazing and so helpful. Can you tell our audience where they can follow you? Because I know they are all going to want to. Okay, well, I'm on Instagram. I'm uh, Mental Fitness Doc is my handle on Instagram. I'm also on Twitter. It's uh, Natalie underscore Detillo. Um, and I'm also on like LinkedIn, and you can just search for me and find me there too. Perfect. We will link it all in the show notes. Thank you so much, Natalie. Thank you, Colleen. It was so good to have a conversation with you. It, it sure <laughs> was.